Well, I'm going to tonight. We're uh, I'll go ahead and pick up and finish up where we were in uh, Corinthians, and uh, we'll pray. So, First uh, Corinthians chapter six nine through fourteen. So uh, we're in chapter 16, verses 9 through 14. So uh, the end is in sight. <clears throat> and uh, I'll cover, we've already covered a lot of this, so I'll just pick up where, where we were going. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. For the great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Sort of like what we talked about this morning. Now Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. <clears throat> Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for the singing and the praise. Ron is an incredible uh, just a vessel in your hands. And uh, thank you for the good service we had this morning. Thank you for t- a season tonight to pray. We want to pray for Jamie as he's out. And pray for uh, Jeff tonight as his back's hurting. And <clears throat> just pray, God, that your good hand be upon our time together tonight. Be with the West as they're out tonight. Um, and, uh, Lord, just pray, God, that uh, you just take and guide us in the, in the Word for a season. Prepare our hearts to really uh, come to your throne and pray with our we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're talking about open doors. And, of course, with an open door, uh, there were adversaries that the Paul faced. And so in the outline, we covered open doors. Uh, God opens doors to those with open hearts. <clears throat> We've covered the fact that God opens doors to servants in motion. Um, and then um, we talked about how God opens doors to saints willing to change in verse 7. Um, and or verse seven, yeah, it was verse seven, and then we talked about how uh, God uh, opens doors to those who ha- have uh, reproduced themselves, and uh, that's where we left off on that fourth point. So tonight we're going to pick it up on the fifth of these seven points, and the fifth point is God opens doors in the midst of adversity. So I want to redirect our attention back to verse 9. And uh, again here we see that Paul says, For a great door and effectual is open unto me. But of course after that comma it says, And there are many... You know, notice it's not just a few adversaries. There are many adversaries. It's very... uh, There's a lot of them. And so... Um, now, when you go on down to verse 13, he says this. Notice what he says. Notice the type of words he uses in verse 13. He says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So he's, he's really using military type of language here. In verse 14, he says, Let all things be done with charity, which seems almost conversely, converse to you know, military language. But it's actually, in Christ, it is kind of the same. You have to have a strong militant mindset, but you also have to be completely clothed with charity. And so uh, that's kind of the oxymoron. And I really, this morning's message goes really good with this, because that's kind of what you saw with Paul when he got smote in the mouth, you know, but he still maintained his composure and still continued on in his, uh, <clears throat> in his earnestness, is a good way of saying it, for his brother in Israel. 
even though it was somewhat ineffectual at the time. And so open doors, this is point A. If you, I don't think I have point A on your outline, but if there was a point A, it'd be open doors attract adversity. So we know from verse 9 that's what happens. When there are open doors, then you know that adversity is coming. You just, you just know it. So when you see people excited about Jesus, they want to give testimonies, they want to start sharing, and they want to, they're excited about what God's doing, they're excited about discipleship, they're excited about Jesus, people get saved, people coming back to the Lord, well then guess what? When God's opening doors, uh, the devil's going to be right there. And uh, he's not going to like what God's doing. So be prepared for adversity. And Paul wasn't at all surprised by adversity. We shouldn't be either. Um, so we should we should expect it. <clears throat> and not just Paul, but all the apostles expected that. And they weren't scared of it. That's another thing, probably the biggest thing, is not to be scared of adversity. Uh, and so I think that's probably one probably lack in our culture, um, maybe even our Heartlands church culture, because it's in American culture. We don't talk a lot about you know adversity. But and when we do, it's more from us being victimized. But I mean, more from a biblical perspective, we should just embrace adversity. That's what disciples do. And uh, I like what uh, Mitch Newland always says. He got this phrase from being in the military, but he he calls it embrace. This is forgive the crudeness, but he calls it embrace the the suck. Meaning this isn't this stinks. The situation stinks. So he he said, and that's what got him through in the military was just any time there was an adverse situation, is that he embraced it. He just went right after it and held on to it and just pulled it in. You know, I'm just going to embrace this because it's part of it, and and it's just a mindset. And Christians need to have that kind of, and that's a military you know mindset endure hardness paul says as a good soldier a good soldier endures hardness that's just the way it works you know you don't run from it you you get through it so um a preacher once said spiritual persistence brings satanic resistance and that's absolutely true so the second thing under you know god opens doors in the midst of adversity is that not only do we need to not only do open doors attract adversity but we have to stay focused on the open door and not the adversity and boy that is not always easy uh, and so Paul did this throughout his entire ministry. <clears throat> he consistently and constantly was in peril uh, from the day that he was saved until the day he died. There was opposition to his call. I mean, literally, you know, he was, <laughs> Damascus was no, no fun. Jerusalem was no fun. I mean, everywhere the guy went, there was usually something going on that was, there was adversity. And so we got to stay focused on the open door, not the adversity. And, uh, man, I've, I personally have been challenged here at Heartland on that. And it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, because when adversity comes, uh, it's difficult to stay focused, which is what spiritual warfare is all about. And real war, in real warfare, it is all real warfare. But in, in, a, in a, a physical combat, you know, a lot of it is shock and awe. It is distraction. It's, uh, it's immobilization. It's, it's concussion. It's, it's, you know, obviously it's also serious about killing you. But, um, but a lot of of it too is just getting you to go this way and when you need to be going that way <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot of misdirection uh, same thing in a, in a like an athletic contest uh, and so uh, a bible believer needs to be focused and on the door the door so we don't have to worry about this bomb going off or that bomb going off we got to stay focused on the mission and uh, stay uh, right ahead and go where god wants us to go and so paul did that throughout his ministry and uh, and do you really think satan will leave you alone if you are uh, you know called of God of course not he's not he's not going to do that so Paul preached right through adversity and accomplished his mission in spite of it 
So uh, go back, just keep your finger here, and let's go back and look at another text tonight, Acts chapter 19, just in, in the book of Acts. And this is fairly, we just covered this ground, not, well actually it was a long time ago, it was about six months ago now, but in Acts chapter 19, in, uh, in verse 8, so I'll remind you of uh, what we covered there, uh, this is what Paul says in verse 8, he says, And he went into the synagogue, and he spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading, and I remember taking some time and talking about that, uh, things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, uh, disputing daily in the school of Tyrannius. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And I really like this passage because Paul, even in the midst of adversity, continued to stay focused on the open door. Even though there was distraction and there was problems, he continued. To, he didn't stop preaching and teaching. He could no longer speak at the synagogue, so he's over at the school of Tyrannius. And he's preaching over, the, and the mission gets accomplished in spite of that. You know, greater grace, I was just sharing with somebody who greater grace was out in, uh, in Baltimore, which is who Doug Pearson uh, works under, and... Um, um, even though Doug was trained with us at KCBT, he went out there and, uh, and frankly, our church would have probably never sent him as a missionary and his being single and all that kind of stuff. So greater grace was a little more liberal in their, probably their uh, dis- distribution of missionaries. Um, at any rate, Doug, um, uh, you know, he experienced, um, you know, uh, he's he's been very focused over the years, and he's learned not to get off track. He goes through a lot of things, good and bad, but he stays on the mission, and God continues to bless him and, and give him fruit, you know, in spite of all the distractions and all the left turns. The ministry of Greater Grace out there, uh, they started um, <clears throat> at one time, and one of the Colgate family members, the Colgate, Paul Mollive, whatever, the big name Colgate, uh, got saved and, and bequeathed them, uh, you know, I guess millions of dollars. They had Massachusetts Bible Institute. It was a it was a campus, like a college. It was a real Bible University campus, and all of those things. And you know what? <clears throat> um, the family didn't appreciate that, and I think they're Roman Catholic, and they they claimed that it was mental manipulation, and went to court and and bankrupt the church, and the church had to move had to move to a strip mall over in Baltimore where they are today. It's an old it's like this up here where the <clears throat> up where the old where the lumber yard is now, the old strip mall where the branding iron is. They just moved into that and uh you know what and they just kept doing what they do. And uh you know what now many years later it doesn't look nearly as nice. It's kinda you show up and you look around and you're like, okay. It kinda looks like someplace in K C K off a of parallel or something. You're just kinda like this is greater grace. This is greater grace. But you know what? The mission of that church through uh, Pastor Schaller in Europe and then what God's done through Pastor Carl Silva in, in Mumbai and then other places. They've got works in uh, Tajikistan. And, I mean, and uh, some there's people still working. Pastor Rogan's a part of that, you know, the residue of that ministry. The ministry just kept on going, you know, in spite of some of the most powerful people in America trying to stop that church from going forward. Uh, and even problems within. They've had problems within. They've had problems without. They've had a lot of struggles. But God has continued to make sure that, 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 God, that the gospel goes where it needs to go. So that's another just example 
<clears throat> of how you know when there's open doors there's real adversaries and uh man uh, praise the lord for those that have been faithful through all of that pastor shallow is a really good man i need to get him out here someday <clears throat> and so um uh, the next point under, I'm still under God opens doors in the midst of adversity, is another thing. In, in addition to open doors attract adversity and that we need to stay focused on the open door and not the adversity, which is easier said than done. Uh, the third thing I would mention there is that Christians must grow up and toughen up if they expect to live in victory. And uh, we don't talk much about, you know, that's a lot of churches, that's not what you're going to hear from pulpits. You've got to toughen up, you know, if you're going to live through adversity. But we probably should be talking about that much more today in the American church, for sure, because there's, there's a real reality of this. Um, you know, Paul says down there in verse 13, as I mentioned before, watch ye, right? Like a soldier is to watch. A soldier must stay awake while on watch because the entire camp is depending on his alertness. All right, so he's saying watch ye. You know, stay on your A-game because there's other people depending on you. Many Christians are asleep at the wheel and entire and their entire family is in danger. Right, it's swerving off the road. It's not a comedy, you know, where they're going to swerve off the road and end up in East St. Louis. Uh, they're they're going to. There's a movie. What was that? Vacation. You're, you know, this is a long time ago in the '80s. A, a guy falls asleep at the wheel and he ends up in the East St. Louis. And before he wakes up, his car's on blocks and the wheels are missing. <laughs> He wakes up and he's like, what happened? <laughs> so, uh, uh, but anyway, it's, that's funny, but that's not what happens in real life. If you fall asleep at the wheel, you run off the road and die. Years ago, Roger Heath's brother did that. He was coming up I-49 here and he fell off, uh, fell asleep and uh, he went off the road, right? Up, he didn't die, praise the Lord, but he went up the road, uh, went off the road up here. And I think he rolled his car, his truck right up here on I-49, uh, after the two highway exit because he fell asleep at the wheel and just, Next thing you know, he's flying down the median, rolling his truck. So it's very important not to fall asleep at the wheel. And uh, and so <clears throat> a soldier's got to stay awake. Many Christians, unfortunately, have fallen asleep, and then the other people get hurt. And how many people would be let down for eternity if we just decide to go to sleep? I mean, let's just say we just decide to quit. I just... One day I just say, you know what, I've had enough. I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to go back to the world. And everybody in here just says, that's fine. You know what, let's just stop all this stuff. Let's just, it's, it's not for real. Let's just quit. And can you imagine the lives that would be impacted? Satan would just have a heyday, you know. And, uh, man, we, obviously, that's not even an option, is it? Because you're in a real battle. When you're in a real battle, you only have one way, and that's you got to go forward, you know, and uh, you got to get it done. And, uh, and so, um, so we got to stand fast, he says, in the faith. Stand up, be firm, uh, be at attention in the sense of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not going to get into all that. You guys know Ephesians 6 is a stand verse. Stand ye therefore. Uh, have on the armor. Be prepared for the darts which are coming. There's a lot of promise in that, right? Because we know that that God quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked when we have on the whole armor of God, when we stand. But we are called to take a posture of, of defense, uh, standing with an offensive weapon even. So we are not, we're like a Roman soldier in that regard. We're not supposed to kowtow, turn our back and get de- defeated. You can't turn your back in the battle. You have to stay focused. I just watched a, uh, a documentary on, uh, the, uh, the Turks taking over, or the uh, Mongols, not the Mongols, but the Muslims taking over uh, Islamabad, whatever it was back, Constantinople. And, uh, uh, they, like the Romans, both had that, that forward posture. They knew how to defend themselves and go forward with their shields. You, you, you couldn't turn around. 
right? You couldn't expose your back to the enemy. You're going to be done. You have to stay covered, shielded, protected. And uh, that's just how, that's what Paul's saying. In Acts, <clears throat> the disciples became sent ones, right? So discipleship turns into apostleship in that regard. In Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily as such should be saved. And, of course, that's evangelism. And and, and he would add souls one, uh, one by one as everybody was faithful. Uh, and the door was open to the world as they grew. And it, more and more people were equipped and more and more people could stand. And the door to, to Cass County right now is open as we make disciples, as we send people, and as, as, we, as we plant churches, as we go forward in faith. And so um, here's some practical advice under this, uh, under this point, number, number uh, uh, five. Let's see, where am I? I'm losing my... I've lost my place. I've lost my way. Oh, do you have on the whole armor of God? Um, you, you need to have it on, because if you don't, you're in trouble. So, um, and I know in this room you guys do. Quit you like men, he says in First Samuel 4.9. Quit you like men, and that's actually dealing with the uh, Philistines. In First Samuel 4.9 it says, be strong and quit yourselves like men. So Paul's calling on an Old Testament passage. is talking actually about the bravery of the Philistines, not the Jews. Quit you like men, O Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. That's the admonishment of the enemy to stand against God's people. And Paul robs them of that and says, Now you, Christians, stand ye, quit you like men. So that's a very strong admonition by Paul, very militaristic uh, terminology. The admonition is to be prepared. When we think quit, we think of go home. But the Boy Scouts always say, Be prepared. Be prepared, right? And so Paul says, Be a soldier, be prepared. And so, um, and then he says, be strong, be strong in the Lord, right? In the power of his might. Paul is giving, uh, Tim, giving uh, Timothy the same advice he gave the Corinthians in 2 Timothy 2, uh, in verse 1, where he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, right? Stay focused on the open door, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And uh, so he's saying, endure hardness. Uh, no man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so, um, so that's important. Second Timothy, uh, you know, Paul was praising his son to be a soldier. I like to say, I'm training my son to be a man. Right? You don't want to train young men to be boys. You want to train young men to be men. And so. Um, that's that's obviously not the direction most of our culture is going anymore. So, how does a man turn into a soldier? How does that how does that happen? Yeah, well, training. Yeah, training, and then they do mock battles, and then they do real battles if they have to be called to it. So there's a discipleship process. It's discipline, discipline. That's what boot camp's all about. Tom Ford was and I were talking not long ago about how, you know, you take an average American male, almost any size, and they all come out through boot camp the same way, and they're changed forever. And once they go through boot camp, they're never the same. And uh, and they come in fat, and they come in skinny, but they all come out, you know, some sort of proportion. This is how much food they ate. This is how much exercise they had. Whether they're six foot tall or they're five foot four, and they come out and they're all ready to, you know, hypothetically ready to fight. But their mindset, the the discipline has happened both mentally and physically, and that's how you prepare a soldier. 
it's a dedication to uh, God's cause in our case. So Paul wants us to be disciplined, right? Watch ye, stand fast. So start uh, by by taking God's commandments seriously, right? That starts at salvation. And a lot of times we don't look at the, the salvation as a command, but it is. We're commanded to be saved. The God, we're commanded to receive the gospel. And um, if you don't, you're in trouble, and that's eternal. So that's why it says obey the gospel. I mean, you don't do anything for salvation other than receive it. So that's that's all it's, it's what you got to do. Believe it and receive it. And so if you don't do that, you're not getting off dead center. So it starts by just taking God's words you know, literally and seriously. And then it continues, though, after we're saved, by enlisting in his service, you know, I believe in the cause so much I'm going to give my life to it, you know. And uh, we say that we make a commitment, but then you got to you got to show up, you know. And so when you turn 18, you have the selective service. I love America. Okay, well then you go and sign on the on the dotted line because if they need you, they'll call you. And uh, and then of course once you go, you got to get in condition. That's discipleship one. Going th- here at HPF, that's a root camp. That's our basics. That's where we start. Exercise uh, is the discipline of the work of ministry. And then uh, preparing for battle, right, as we continue to seek God's call in our life. And then we lead others in and out of battle, training them to replace themselves in ministry. And we step out by faith and trust God uh, using us in our call to the rest of our life as we work through those seven stages of spiritual growth. So not everybody's a career soldier, uh, but we ought to be. And when it comes to, like, when you live in these communities, and if you lived in Afghanistan, Pakistan, uh, any of the stands, um, you know, you are always on call. And it was that way here up until, uh, I don't know, that's a good question. When did we start having a standing army? I don't remember. But up until, um, you know, initially, the, probably World War II, uh, World War One, World War II. Uh, but prior to that, a lot of times you, you, you were supposed to be able to muster troops from the reserve forces. It was just, it was just, a, it was just a expected that men were in a position to muster arms and go to war against an enemy, um, uh, a foreign enemy. So that concept in America is kind of lost because now it's a professional service. Um, but there was a time where just much, just, just like you would still do in many of the countries around the world, you have to muster your troops right from the common people, and uh, and they got to be ready to go. And so, or be prepared to get themselves prepared to go. So God often uses adversity to prepare us to walk through open doors. In Revelation chapter three, seven through nine, He mentions there in, uh, regarding the Church of Philadelphia that that they had the key of David, and that was a promise of God's kingdom. So they were focused on that. And uh, in Hezekiah's victory in Isaiah chapter 22, 20 through 22, which was prophecy, it comes to fruition in history in 2 Kings 18 and 2 Kings 19 and 2 Kings 19.34 uh, when it literally comes to pass because Hezekiah held fast to the faithful word and he believed what Isaiah said and he prayed and he brought it before the Lord and God brought a great victory, a great open door that nobody could shut. And uh, in Revelation 3, 7 through 9, the church age uh, from 1500 to 1900 was just like that. God's mission was, in spite of a lot of persecution, a lot of bloodletting, a lot of Christians who literally physically died trying to stay focused on getting the gospel where it needed to go, man, they could not be stopped. And God left the door wide open for the world. So God gives open doors to those who are willing to trust Him amid adversity, in the midst of adversity. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, just flip, flip over to that chapter in the next book, the 12th chapter. 
in verse 8. Notice what it says there. First, uh, Second Corinthians 12.8 says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh man, what an incredible passage. And he says, therefore, right? Therefore, uh, because of that, I take pleasure. He embraces the suck. He, he takes pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So he says, you know what? I'm going to just embrace this and I'm going to allow God to work in my life. I'm going to be I'm going to be steady and stand fast. So our victory in Christ outweighs any suffering. This is the next point under that point. Uh, outweighs any suffering we can experience in this life. In in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 it says wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So well, you know when you think about running with patience that means you endure hardness as you're running you're dealing with the uh, the we- the muscle aches and you're dealing with the thirst and you're dealing with the uh, you know the weariness and he says looking unto Jesus right there's an internal uh, focus that has to happen we look unto Jesus there's hope in the midst of this uh, the author and the finisher of our faith we believe that we will get to the end we believe we will see the 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 one who saved us uh, for, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross he's not asking us to do anything he didn't do despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God it will be worth it all when we see Jesus For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Right? Because there's a real, real, there's a real possibility you can faint in your mind. You can quit. And you don't want to be a quitter. So don't forget the saints who have gone before. That's important. Uh, it's very important to to remember those. You know, you should be reading Fox's Book of Martyrs. Instead of having a pity party, right? Next time you want to have a pity party, just pop open Fox's Book of Martyrs. Then you'll feel a lot better about yourself. (laughs) No, you won't. But you'll feel better about going forward in faith through the open door through many adversaries. Don't forget Christ's suffering, of course. That's most important. And then practical application is, um, you know, just remembering practically what it is like to suffer. Uh, Some of you, I mean, I think uh, many ladies have gone through childbirth childbirth you remember that was painful right but you got through it and so that's kind of what suffering that's what it's like to, to get life sometimes we got to suffer and uh, and then there's a there's a there's always a benefit on the other side and how many of us uh, you know um enjoy success well everybody enjoys success but you know if you've ever been successful in anything you often have to pay a price to get there it doesn't just come you know without some sort of sacrifice so um you know, if uh, he, you know Patrick Mahomes is great, a great quarterback and all, but the Chiefs don't go to the world to the World Series. They don't go to the World Series at all. But they don't go to the Super Bowl without putting in the time and the effort. You know, they got to practice. They got to do what it takes. It's not just natural talent. And so uh, you got to put in the work because you want to get the outcome. And so the antidote for suffering, you know what it is? It's victory. It's that's really the antidote. It will be worth it all. And, uh, and we have victory in Christ. So, you know, nations are willing to sacrifice the lives of their fighting men uh, and see children's, <clears throat> children and wives lose their loved ones because each side is convinced that victory for, for all is worth the sacrifice of one.
And I like, I think it was you actually just the other day, sent out a uh, picture of a soldier on Facebook. This man died this weekend or something in a conflict in Iraq or what have you. And so Afghanistan and a lot of talk right now about Afghanistan. I was actually just praying about that this morning. I don't know why it was on my heart, but... You know, there's a lot of tension about withdrawing from Afghanistan. American people are upset about being there still, and I get it. And I think about all the wives and the, and the mothers that have lost loved ones, uh, family members just in, in recent years in Afghanistan. What's it? And they're asking that question, what was it all for? You know, if you lost a husband or, an, or a, a son uh, or a daughter nowadays, um, what was it for? Was it worth it if we're just withdrawn? Should we stay? Should we go? What is the real conflict there? Well, the conflict is always defining victory, right? It's always going to be a lot easier. Not It's not going to be easier, but it's, it's not easy, but it's always going to be easier. It's going to be more comforting to know that your son or your daughter died in a patent rice field in Vietnam somewhere. Uh, or over in God-forsaken mountain range in, in Afghanistan, if you really know that there was a real purpose in the battle and a victory at the end that was attainable. But if it just seems like you're going to war to go to war and there's no real tangible benefit, there's no there, the victory doesn't mean anything, that is so demoralizing. And, and it seems, it's just so much despair. And so the good news for us is that is that we have a real battle to fight. And in Hebrews 12, you know, the Bible says, You have not uh, yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And so, you know, next time we contemplate quitting, we need to realize, man, we've got something that we're, it is worth fighting for. We're dying for. And it's a real victory that we have through Jesus Christ. So we don't, if we did give our lives as a living a living sacrifice, not, God doesn't even ask us to die, literally, or strive into blood. Although if it's necessary, we would. The point is, is that we should give everything because our victory is real. And it's already been won. And we still get a chance to sacrifice for it. So we got the best case scenario. It's like you still have an outcome in World War II. You just got to go sacrifice. You know, and uh, and so you're still part of that victory that Jesus has purchased uh, in His own blood uh, nearly two thousand years ago. So I'm going to stop there. I intended to get all the way through, but I guess I'm not. So let's just park it there tonight. Open doors. So here's what we've covered: God opens doors to those with open hearts. We've covered that God opens doors to servants in motion. We've covered that God opens doors to saints willing to change. Uh, We've covered that God opens doors to those who have reproduced themselves. And then this fifth point, man, this is a strong point i could preach a whole message just on this uh i just did and uh i should do it again sometime but uh, god opens doors in the midst of adversity that's a really good really appropriate message for what we, we've heard from randy and and seen in our church the last several weeks and also what we heard this morning so i'm glad we got to spend some time on that tonight when we get back next week we'll talk about god opens doors in his time so we'll talk about how god does that in his time next week i won't be here actually so i'll be traveling to uh atlanta so we'll have to figure out uh, yeah we will no i'll probably have jeff take it um and uh we'll go from there so so hold on to your notes and we'll pick it up when i get back on the sixth and seventh and I'll, I'll be able to get through both points next time we get together and wrap this section up and then we'll wrap up the whole book and a little bit at a time. All right, so let's... Did you? Yeah, I saw you. She's a sweetheart. She does look better, actually, this week. Yeah, she's... Yeah, I, I, I take she's a... 
Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, poor Carl. He's probably.